What's up, you guys? Welcome to the August 30th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher, and we're not really going to be talking about fantasy basketball to start this podcast. Uh, it is full-on fantasy football time. I've got four drafts this weekend, one of which is at, at the crib. Uh, so I thought we'd have, we did this last year, had Mr. Rotopat on last year to talk about some strategy. And since most of us fantasy basketball people are probably focusing on this this week or last week, want to have him on again. So what's up, Rotopat? How's it going, man? Good. I was tricked. I I was promised that I'd get to just have like 25 minutes of really uninformed Kevin Durant takes. Uh, so now I'm kind of mad that I have to talk about football. Yeah, we're going to break down all sorts of details. Uh, found out Drew Holiday shot uh, under 30% on pull-up <laughs> on jumpers. I just looked that up before we hopped on. So we're, we're <laughs> I'm just here to talk about how Kevin Durant ruined the NBA, okay? Uh, yeah. DeMarcus Cousins is a snake. Snake in the grass. <laughs> The He's a hashtag T-R-A-D-E-R. <laughs> yes. We won't get into that. I was going to say something else, but um, the, the Golden golden Snake Warriors. All right. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about uh, fantasy football. Obviously, everyone talks the first questions like, what do you do up top? Uh, I know you had a tweet saying you hate picking five. Um, so like, regarding that, like, do you feel like... There's a drop. I'm obviously nowhere near the expert, but like I feel like there's the three. I feel like there's a little gap between the girlies, the bells, and DJs from the Zeeks and maybe ABs and so forth. So like, where like where do you want to pick? Um, anything else you could kind of uh, idea about the first one or two rounds coming back? Yeah, it seems like fantasy football kind of alternates years where like some years it's just like total chaos at the top, and then other years there are years. Like this year, where there's kind of like a really set like top four, top five, and I think almost any format, pretty much almost anyone would agree that like the top four players this year are David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, and Ezekiel Elliott, and like you just feel really good getting any of those four, and even like a PPR, usually you you would take those guys over Antonio Brown. Um, some years, then after like that top set group, there's a huge drop off. There's a Big drop off this year, but it's like not as dramatic in years past. Like there are definitely guys that you can talk yourself into, like make a really good case for. Like of course Antonio Brown, uh, of course Alvin Kamara, and even Saquon Barkley. It's just that it's like who you know who do you pick? They all have like their own unique question marks. Uh, Kamara's like, can he possibly repeat? Like, you know, the touchdown rate's going to decline, but uh, the touch rate should go up. Mark Ingram suspended. Barkley's just a rookie. You never know what to expect. Already has a hamstring injury. So there's like intriguing guys, but it's just like unclear which one you should be most intrigued by. And pretty much in every draft, I've had a different answer like every time I've drafted. So I don't have a set answer at number five. Yeah. So you're not on the A-B track. I feel like if I pick five and those four receivers, four running backs go off the board, I feel like that's the way to go. So the reason I don't have – don't like – reflexively do that i have done it once or twice but this is like uh you know it's fantasy football has gotten away from like reflexively forcing a a running back in like the first round but this year like uh so like i said there's the top set there's the set top four but i feel like the kind of like next four to eight guys are just a little more intriguing higher upside than usual it's kind of a deeper rb1 crop than usual and like uh but then the question marks you know always start in like the rb2 range but like are like really severe this year. Like after the top 12 or 13, kind of like the Devonte Freeman zone, you get into like just some like crazy stuff. Like, you know, do you really want to take like Jarek McKinnon? Like, uh, are the Dolphins going to screw up the Kenyon Drake situation? Mm-hmm. So 
this year I feel like a, a greater sense of urgency than I probably have in like four or five years to come away from the first round with a running back, to be frank. I mean, if I'm, you know, like the nine or ten range or whatever, or, you know, even eight or nine, you're not going to pass. Even like seven or eight, you're not going to usually pass on Antonio Brown. But this year I've kind of been finding myself like feeling like I really need to get a running back in the first round. And then like the tight end two tier is just like so deep this year. It's like almost like kind of bottomless. So I found myself coming on a lot of drafts with an RB first and then kind of like receiver, 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 and sometimes like going RB and like four receivers. I just, it's just, the, the depth is just crazy and kind of the, the wide receiver two tier this year. And so like I never try to like force a strategy, but like more often than not, I've found myself going RB and three receivers and sometimes four receivers. Oh, nice. So you're not into grabbing like I like I feel like one of my strategies and again, I don't you obviously play in like super competitive leagues. I play in leagues where it's like kind of half people that are, you know, like me, kind of just all about fantasy and then half are kind of just, you know, casual fans. So I feel not to sound arrogant, like I feel like I can get the buzzy sleeper guys after 75 or so, whereas in a lot of leagues you're in, you probably can't do that. So that's probably yeah. part of the process too. So like I don't know. I think if, if you feel good going into your draft and you look at look around and people aren't or they just have like cheat sheets and they don't have like other information they're looking at, like say looking at like your ranks or Evan's rank, I, I feel like I can be more um, aggressive on drafting a tight end, be be it Gronk in round two, uh, Kelsey in round three, and then I, I love taking Kelsey in round three. It's like my go to move. Um, and then obviously Ertz, if you pick like early round four, I think I like, I like doing that. Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly in leagues, kind of where I feel like, um, like basically, it feels like no one falls, basically. Yeah. So like, if I want like, if I want like Marquise Goodwin, like I can't, he's like not gonna fall. Like I'm gonna have to overdraft him, basically. And of course, I'm in a few like home home slash friends leagues, but those are usually two quarterback, so that kind of like changes everything. Like kind of for some reason, all my like uh, quote unquote non expert leagues are two quarterback leagues. So it's like basically like a completely different calculus there. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of – I treat this year as a year uh, – well, for every year, just even like uh, you know like the non-expert fantasy football players just get more and more informed. Uh, there's so much information out there. The, quali- the, the quantity and the quality of the information has just like increased exponentially. So I feel like there's not really many uninformed drafters uh, anymore. So yeah, I'm just kind of this year – I'm just going – I'm going strictly by the not not by the I'm going by like uh I'm not I'm not leaving anything to chance basically let's put it that way. One thing I'll add to the point you kind of hinted at. So I just wrote kind of the abusing the default rankings for our NBA guide, and like just the, the ESPN football side for instance. Like they if someone gets hurt next day big update, you know. And like I wrote this I wrote this thing I've got call it forty guys that are ranked after 150 that I think are worth drafting in 12-teamers. That's um, a lot. Yeah, which, which again, they, <laughs> the point is they haven't quite updated it yet. So, like, fantasy football is such a huge deal that, like, every single company that follows fantasy allocates a lot of resources to it. So, like you said, like, even if you're casually following fantasy, you're going to probably have a pretty decent draft. You're not going to be dead money unless you're, like, yeah. a donkey who, like, one guy drafted three quarterbacks of the top, like, 14 Unless you're doing something silly like that, like it's pretty much a crapshoot. Yeah, like a perfect example, I would say, of like how informed the uh, like the fantasy football world is now is like all summer I was all over Keelan Cole, just a guy I loved on the Jaguars. But now since Marquise Lee got hurt, uh, I mean the discount like just disappeared overnight. Like you can no longer get Keelan Cole at anything resembling a bargain. Now you basically have to overdraft him, 
And it's just like, uh, yeah, guys do not sleepers do not stay hidden in fantasy football anymore is my, uh, expert opinion. Yeah, no more like ambient deep sleepers anymore. Like pretty much, no. any, like like my friend, my friend and I, we always, he always like, oh, I got some sleepers you never, you never even heard of. I was like, dude, I'm pretty sure, like, the only, I'm pretty yeah. sure we're not sneaking. In, like, even I, I would never say that to somebody who is like following fantasy because it's just so much information. Like, you're not going to sneak a guy. Do you have anybody that you think like is super, super duper sneaky, or it's like kind of a pointless thing to say, right? I would say, yeah, I would say, I would say the only way to get like kind of a sleeper these days is there has to be like an injury question mark, and like it has to be like the perfect zone, like uh, you know, like the Earth is like the perfect distance from the sun. Uh, <laughs> to be like a sleeper, you have to be in like the perfect injury zone where you have to be hurt, but you can't be like too hurt that you're gonna miss a lot of time. So you kind of have to be like Sony Michelle or something where nice. you're, you're kind of hurt, but like uh, you don't seem like you you seem like you're probably gonna play week one, or you have to be like Rashad Penny. Where like you, you missed like a bunch of weeks of the finger injury, you've got some depth chart uh, question marks. And to me, that's kind of the only, that's like where the value is these days. But it's like very tricky value because uh, by the very nature, if you're injured, there's gonna be like like a lot of downside. So uh, that's mainly now where you can find sleepers and like these well-informed fantasy football leagues. Uh, really deep sleeper. I was Keelan Cole was one of my guys all summer. I'm like this dude had. 750 yards as an undrafted rookie like kind of was out there like marvin jones in it up basically and it was like no one was talking about him all summer like this not at all and like, he was running as like the number one receiver for, like a big portion of camp so like he was like he might have been my main guy even he like doesn't necessarily meet the definition of a sleeper anymore yeah. but we're so going deeper said, down so you said you wouldn't you may have to pounce early like i'm looking at your ranks you have him um let's say ahead of you have a 39, so ahead of Sammy Watkins, Crabtree, Pierre Garçon. So do you think – I mean, I feel like you may have to go even earlier than that, man. Like, I feel like you have to I think to you would. Of- no, I mean, I'm just – that's just where I'm ranking him because, like, that's kind of where I feel maybe most comfortable. I, obviously, I think he has the upside for more. Uh, still downside because it's Blake Bortles. It's a, even with Marquise Lee out, it's a crowded receiver core. That's just where I think he should be ranked. But yeah. now if you really, really want him – you're, now you're probably gonna have to go more in like the like 32 to 34 range, maybe even higher. Like those guys, and I'm probably falling victim to this more than anyone, at least for basketball rankings. Like if I like a guy, like I love Jared Allen for basketball, I love John Collins for basketball. I have them ranked ridiculously high. So people who aren't really in the know, but like, yo, what the heck is this guy smoking with these ranks? <laughs> but that's just kind of how I draft, and I feel like if it's a guy I want, a guy I'm gonna target, I have to jump up and get him, especially like. After pick eighty, and I always say this: after pick eighty, who cares? Take the guys you want. So yeah, I mean, I kind of, I've always tell people that because uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's supposed to be fun. And uh, like using a football example, I, this is an example I make all the time. Like it's not really fun. For, it's never fun, you know, to take value after value. I kind of call it like the Frank Gore, <laughs> like uh, the Frank Gore conundrum. Like, of course, like Frank Gore is going to always feel like a huge value, but uh, you know, there's a reason for that. Uh, that he's not going higher. And instead of like taking the you know supposed value in Frank Gore, I like usually prefer you know like reach from my dude like David and Joku sure. or something like that. So oh, for sure, I don't like drafting. And players like Frank like Gore is not really being drafted this year. I just mean like for like perpetually, he was always kind of a guy who was like in the RB twenty eight like thirty four range, and just like always felt like a value. Um, so like I just yeah, Frank Gore type players is what I mean. This year, Frank Gore largely going undrafted. I drafted him in my draft on Saturday. Well, <laughs> this, not 100 percent undrafted. Not 100 percent. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna cut him. I don't have a I don't have a defense or a kicker yet, so 
That'll be uh, one of my first moves probably next week. But um, yeah. Anyways, um, so moving on. What other um, is there any like kind of pocket? I always like try to find pockets. So we talked about like you like to go receiver, receiver, receiver. And do you feel like that's part of the reason why? Because like you feel like you can get maybe some higher upside, low uh, low floor backs a little bit later, or anything along those lines as far as just like ADP and strategy or anything along those lines. Yeah, it's just basically like the, the running backs you're going to feel comfortable with like disappear within like the first 24 to 30 picks. Whereas, uh, you know, the receivers that I really like last for like basically through like the fifth or sixth round. And it's tempting to feel desperate to like look at your team and see like the blank RB spot or two blank RB spots. But, you know, you're just not you're not going to have a good team if you're like already reaching for like borderline RB twos in the fourth or fifth round. So. If I don't, if, if that early RB pocket passes, and even if I get zero, uh, you're, it's just, there's just no upside to forcing it. So, yeah, uh, I'm kind of like lost my uh, train of thought on the answer uh, there. No, you got it. No, it's just a matter of like you said. I pretty you, and I say this too. First half, draft the best player. Second half, fill your value. So if you feel like the best player you're drafting is all receivers in your first six, seven picks, and you want to draft a backup receiver, and you feel like he's way better than the running back there, take him. But be sure your draft, your last five six picks of your draft are going to be running backs. Yeah, I, that or I mean, honestly, this year uh, you got to come out with at least two. Uh, usually, yeah. you want to at least fill the starter spots and like. But like this year, it's so nutty that I would almost feel comfortable just going like if you, instead of like even if you're feeling later, if there's wide receiver flyers, you'd rather be taking. It's like a year where I don't think it's like insane to only come out of the draft for two or three running backs because there's so many of these situations that are just this year just like basically total guessing like even the patriots like uh with like bigger name guys like rex burkhead and sonny michelle like we're just guessing and then there's like the colts where it's like basically completely unclear what is going to happen with the colts uh and so this year i'm comfortable honestly just coming out of draft usually realistically you're always gonna have like at least three and probably four but it's a year i do not mind coming out of the draft like pretty light on running back and just letting some of these situations sort themselves out in weeks one and two there's so many late round receivers to take. Like we talked about Cole. Are there anybody else there you feel like is just sitting there that I mean, obviously, again, so let me give you my let me give you mine because uh, you're uh, most of your mocks you do are like hardcore experts and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, mostly. Okay. So let me show you some guys that I've kind of been targeting. Maybe get your take if you like anybody. Um, Aguilar is obviously pumped up now with Jeffrey. Um, yeah. And then Cooper Cup. Uh, I think Kenny Stills is going to be really good. I'm targeting him pretty hard. Uh, been leading the Kenny Stills. Being... Been leading the Kenny Stills fan club since he was out of Oklahoma, basically. So uh, nice. I approve. Yeah, I mean, if, especially with the injury to Devontae Parker, like he's a guy I'm going after. I think Tyler Lockett I really like, especially with the Doug Baldwin thing. Although I will add that whole 85 percent thing. Like everyone's going to be 85 percent by like week seven. So but yeah, they I, are, but like uh, that's oh, that is very true. But that's why it's not good to go into the season at eighty five percent, because because while everyone else is in his eighty five percent, he's going to be like sixty percent. So, I, I I would you know it's easy to read too much in those comments, but I will admit to alarm over Doug Baldwin. It's usually not a good sign when they're talking about gutting out an injury and like it's literally still the preseason. So, uh, I I'm actually am uh I'm buying a Doug Baldwin panic. Yeah. So uh, would you take him? I mean, if he sits there at, like round five, like you gotta go. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if he's down like the the wide receiver like twenty four, twenty five range, it's still like a no brainer, and probably even like the wide receiver twenty range because uh, you know he's always been kind of like a more of like a gutty 
type receiver. And so he could definitely be playing on one leg and still produces like the wide receiver 14 or 15. So there's still a, a range where Doug Baldwin is very valuable. Kind of, I, I would say the lower, usually a higher end wide receiver two, I would say lower end wide receiver two, um, still all over that. For sure. Yeah, you have him on your ranks. You have uh, Juju 15, Amari 16, Baldwin 17, Hogan 18. Those are guys that I think pretty much, those, those are some hot targets right there. And like round, late round three, round four, I feel like. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm on... Chris Hogan, I was the guy I, I wanted to get more this summer, but he's he's someone who has not been following at all, really. Um, my blame Evan Silva. He's, he beats the drum. Yeah, Evan moves the market. <laughs> he and, does. Uh, yeah, he moves the market, and he's moved the market on Hogan. But I mean, the the market deserved to be moved on Hogan, so can't you know can't complain about Evan being right. Right, Hogan season is who. We'll yeah, exactly. Say. Hogan season, <laughs> uh, Manny season. I'm in, I'm in on Manny season. I'm buying that. Burkhead season. Yeah. yeah, Manny season. Manny season's definitely been a, a football trope this summer. <laughs> yeah, I have. I've got everyone except for Hogan. Like Hogan goes early around four now. I know it's crazy. It's so uh, do, if you want some some later wide yeah. receiver sleeper, like uh, Quincy and Nunn was a guy on the Jets. Everyone's forgotten about. Had an 800 yard season two years ago. Uh, Locked into two wide receiver sets. Um, kind of a middle of the field slot guy. They don't have a set tight end. Uh, so none none was kind of a guy you can get for free near the end of drafts. Can uh, I add one thing Evan, as a Jets fan? Yeah. What? Well, yeah. You, you want to add something? Yeah. Darnold likes to go short, man. He's been throwing short a lot. I feel like that's going to be good for Anunua. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, r- a rookie trait to yeah. just uh, not rock the boat, especially someone kind of known for turnovers. He's going to want to make a, a good first impression. Like, for you sure. see, I'm not turning this football over. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I'm a good little quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, like a Nunwa late, uh, more like pure flyer. Uh, like It's kind of John Ross had one of the gifts of the summer hmm. with his uh, amazing uh, cutback, uh, cutback touchdown. So he's a guy I like. You're like a you know, freak athlete. There was a reason he was a top ten draft pick. Uh, so he's a guy I like the very end of drafts. Uh, had another good name in mind. I'm struggling to remember who it was. Well, uh, while you think of that, I had John Ross in my league I did Saturday. I got three offers for him because uh, I drafted him on Saturday and he had the big play on Sunday. <laughs> and like I took him like kind of, I mean, I took him around 16. Now he can't take him around 16 anymore after that after that like big highlight play. Like it puts everyone everyone's thought process in the yeah uh, everyone on like, total yeah. John Ross tilt. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, I still like DJ Moore on the Panthers. He there's kind of been some negative buzz about him because he's been running behind Torrey Smith, but he actually had a pretty decent preseason. Uh, but the, the Panthers are kind of a team, not surprised to see them easing a rookie in, but they used a first round pick on him. They're kind of, they really want him to happen uh, because they just really, really need a non Devin Funchess receiver to step up. So like DJ Moore, uh, still like Chris Godwin, a uh, huge playmaker, but Sean Jackson not going away. It's kind of weird with the Bucks knowing they're going to change quarterbacks in week four, too, so he could like build up chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick and then you know have to start over with Jameis Winston. But uh, Anthony Miller on the Bears, Michael Gallup on the Cowboys. There's uh, Mike Williams in the Chargers, second year, first rounder. Uh, been, been kind of completely slept on. I mean, he's a guy who could just like explode. So, yeah, I, could, I was talking about the wide receiver two tier being bottomless earlier, but just wide receiver in general – 
could you can almost go like 70 75 deep like like obviously like half of those guys won't really be factors but like you can get guys in like the wide receiver 70 range that could end up being like a wide receiver three so two names that i i saw that you had kind of hide uh john brown i saw you had him at 46 i feel like that's a guy who has big upside like especially with obviously he's not the healthiest player either but like crabtree struggles to play healthy i think the ravens would be better on offense too like they, i mean the offensive line should be a better uh uh, Joe Flacco's going kind of like the Alex Smith anger diet this year. You know, he's the, the memes that he's angry and motivated after they selected Lamar Jackson. And I mean, John Brown was one of the most electrifying playmakers in the NFL, but he's struggled with sickle cell issues for two years. But apparently, he has that more under control. And I mean, Joe Flacco's a guy we know likes to throw deep. So yeah, John Brown, I, I love is kind of like a late wide receiver four flyer. Nice. Yeah, so Baltimore was twenty seventh in yards last year. Cincinnati was thirty two. So like, yeah, I know you. I know yeah. you're in on Mixon. I feel. I feel like. Uh, are you, I'm sorry, Mixon. Still, I mean, Ann is a bit strong on Mixon, but the role does seem like it'll be good enough. And he, you know, he's a f- special athlete. Uh, he was better down the stretch last year. Uh, he lost weight this off season, and he's got like a three down skill set. When it's uh, all said and done, I mean, Giovanni Bernard is the pass catching back in Cincinnati, but. Mixon, there's still uh, – until a guy – you actually see a guy, you know, do it in the NFL, uh, it's hard to be, like, uh, like too high. But, yeah, the role is still good enough in Mixon where I'm kind of – I'm giving him an, an RB2 reprieve and leaving him, like, fairly high up in the RB2 ranks. So if you go RB like, – let me put you on the spot here. So if you already took a running so, – say so you're picking early, right? So you get – it doesn't matter. You take one of those elite four running backs. And then you're sitting there. Given the issues at running backs and so forth, say you're sitting there – and you're looking at Mixon after all the other running backs are off the board. So you're talking like McCaffrey's gone, Freeman's gone, Fournette's gone, um, Dalvin's gone. So it, it went pretty running back heavy so far. So you're looking at him versus, say, someone like Devontae or T.Y. or Evans or Diggs. Like, would you pounce on him there and just go receiver on the way out? Kelsey or Phillip receivers later? What would be? So it's kind of weird. I always like to kind of play these games, but... I'm probably around? still going wide receiver there because the, the wide receivers you mentioned, I feel like have better odds of being like a wide receiver one than Joe Mixon does of being like an RB one. Like Mike Evans still has like wide receiver, like number one overall receiver type upside. Like obviously that's not like his most likely outcome, but it's like within his range of outcomes. And I mean, T Y Hilton, like a top eight receiver, basically whenever Andrew Luck is healthy, uh, Devonte Adams, you know, now Randall Cobb, Sounds like could get cut. And Fonte Adams scored over 10 touchdowns back-to-back years. And uh, I, I might consider – I would maybe consider Joe Mixon over Devontae Adams because I have Devontae Adams as the wide receiver eight. That's mostly because I think his floor is so high, but he does have like a lower ceiling than some of the guys I have behind him. But I, I just think his, his floor is higher. He has a better chance of hitting his floor than some of the guys do behind him of hitting their ceiling kind of. He's just like so solid. I felt like I had to leave him there. But there are guys with definitely better upside behind him. So uh, it just, yeah, it depends on my mood in the draft. Yeah, and but, I was going to yeah. say, too, like it, uh, if you're picking up that high, chances are the people behind you already got the running back, too. So probably a decent – they're going to be grabbing receivers. Like for sure, the, of those six picks behind you or whatever it would be, like there's going to be four receivers gone. So like in that instance, you feel like supply demand, grab a receiver there, and then hope Mixon falls, just go from there, and then maybe just take Kelsey if you don't get him or something like that. I don't know. It sounds good to me. Yeah, okay. Um, so I wanted to ask you, too, with the Randall Cobb thing. So what are we doing with this? Like, obviously, Devonta Adams, you mentioned, is going to pretty much be top 10. Like, 
anybody that you're after? I mean, this feel like this feel like there could be an opportunity for somebody there. Jimmy Graham, Geronimo, anybody else? Yeah, I mean, definitely the Geronimo. Uh, I feel like the back, like all the rookies and like the the Jake Kumaro, kind of like a undrafted free agent from three or four years ago, has been kind of making a name until they heard hurt a shoulder uh i feel like that has not really sorted itself out yet i mean uh at least uh enough for me to be comfortable with it so i do like allison allison's another like great kind of end of draft like freebie flyer type i mean it could be aaron Rodgers' number two receiver in 10 days so but beyond him kind of kind of fading the rookies and the staying off them because i just don't really i don't know if the packers still know how that's going to shake out so beyond allison yeah i mean maybe i would say ty montgomery but he uh he's already the Packers usually kind of like to stick with one back actually and Ty kind of already banged up again but uh I would say yeah maybe if Cobb gets cut uh beyond Allison Ty Montgomery would probably be the second guy I would expect to maybe see the Packers use uh kind of a more of a rotation than usual and uh, Mon- Montgomery be a maybe a heavily targeted yeah, heavily like, like four to six slot. targets yeah, feels like you yeah, playing the yeah. slot yeah. Um, one other team with a kind of a super offense. Um, just want to ask quickly about uh, New Orleans, man. I mean, what's up with their wide receiver two position? Obviously, I've seen that uh, Traquan Smith's been balling. I saw you guys wrote a board that Cameron Meredith's been kind of dead in the water. Um, Ted Ginn, like anybody that you're feeling there? No, see, I, I probably will fade that because Cameron Meredith definitely, unfortunately, uh, really intriguing player but just does not seem to be healthy enough and seems like yeah he's not going to be one of their top three receivers and might not even make the team uh but behind like uh behind michael thomas and alvin kamara i mean we know kamara's gonna get a ton of targets uh i think he could be kind of like kind of unsatisfying like like benjamin watson could be like a highly targeted player uh ted ginn's just gonna do what ted ginn does kind of be a fantasy gnat kind of like a fantasy nuisance and Anytime you're on the Saints, you're playing with Drew Brees, and you're like Traquan Smith's, uh, you know, very intriguing athlete. Uh, he'll probably have like big weeks, like weeks that you wished that like he was in your starting lineup, but probably like, you know a lot of like one to two catch games too. So yeah, it's kind of a uh, the Saints are like very narrow from like a fantasy perspective this year, in my opinion. So you're all in a Michael Thomas, you're all in an Alvin Kamara. Uh, you you don't mind Ben Watson as like a tight end too, but beyond that, yeah, I'm kind of. Traquan Smith could definitely, you know, develop into a thing, but like right now, not really something I'm I'm hitting too hard. Okay. Anybody else uh, super deep cuts like that? That I know we kind of I'm kind of putting on the spot, but uh, I mean they play they, they play the Bucks week one too, right? So maybe DFS wise, maybe a little super sneak. Yeah, no, I don't know. I've been so focused on uh, I, I'm not uh, grinding the week one matchups yeah, yet, just yeah. to be perfectly honest. For so, sure. I, I, I guarantee uh, our boy Evan Silva is, though. Oh, I guarantee, uh, yeah. And he actually, probably, has, since, one he probably thing, has been since, like, May. Uh, yeah, oh, for sure. He loves the, the preseason action, too. And uh, one other Evan thing that he talked about when, on the pod with me last year was, like, just planting flags on good teams. So, like, trying to get somebody on the Packers, trying to get somebody on the Saints, trying to get somebody – um, pass or are the Chargers going to be kind of good on offense? I feel like they could be pretty solid oh, yeah. on offense. Yeah. yeah, Chiefs like Mahomes. The, the Patriots. Mahomes, yeah. yeah, planning like the flag with good teams definitely a good strategy, and that's why with uh, the the Patriots, why I still don't like even for like all Sony Michelle's risk. Like I don't mind him as like an RB two, RB three type of flyer. Uh, very high risk, but yeah, I mean the upside is so high in that offense. So uh, yeah, 
when in doubt, uh, if you're trying to decide between two players, uh, the better offense is always a good tiebreaker. But then if it's for a guy like Keenan Cole, who's going to get like crazy volume, like I feel like it's kind of crazy. I was looking at like yards per game. Obviously, the Jaguars run the ball a ton, but I mean they were six on all, on, on yards last year. Like, I was surprised to see that. I never really thought they were that productive as far as just overall offense. But obviously, I'm sure they led the league in run. Yeah, they did. So that's part of it. But uh, I mean, they still, you know, feel like they can grow there. Obviously, Blake was started slow, and I don't know. I feel like that's gonna be decent. I'm all out on Bortles, man. I'm still yeah. all out. Like uh, the, the offseason narrative, like, people are not like in on Blake Bortles by any stretch. But I feel like now there's kind of been an acceptance that like, like oh, you know, he's like an actually an acceptable QB. Uh, I, but that would not have happened like if the Jaguars had just gotten eliminated in the wild card round when he had 87 yards of off, oh. like passed for 87 yards. So like, if the Jaguars had lost the game. Uh, I feel like the Jags probably would have actually moved on from Blake Bortles. Maybe not. Maybe they're not that uh, hasty. But, uh, yeah, like uh, I feel like we'd be talking about – like have like a Blake Bortles countdown clock basically <laughs> if they had gotten eliminated after that game. But like the, those two games after that really, really changed the Blake Bortles narrative. That's what we had this time last year. Right? It was like, Wait. oh, Blake's going to get cut. Ah. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Like a trade for Eli Manning, that sort of thing, yeah. yeah. Um, Sign Tony Romo was a big one. Um, but uh, yeah. I think they should have traded for Teddy Bridgewater. But uh, That's a pretty, like, a pretty good trade on both sides, I think. Yeah, for more than anyone, the Jaguars were the team that I would have liked to have traded for Teddy Bridgewater. But uh, it's not a perfect world, so now he's going to be on the bench for 16 games because even at his advanced age, Drew Brees misses like maybe like one game every two years. Yeah, I actually tweeted something about that since he joined in 2006, whatever it was. I think he's missed like four games. Yeah, he missed a game with like an oblique once. He missed a game, I think, with a shoulder once. But the absence is usually like one game, like max. Doctor James Andrews, the God with the with the shoulder surgery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, boy, that, that surgery, the Drew Brees, uh, uh, 2005, I believe, 2004 shoulder surgery belongs in the surgery hall of fame. It really does, yeah. There's not many. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's not really too many NBA surgeries that are like that. Like, because uh, what about? Didn't do you know who did um, Adrian Peterson? Grant Hill's ACL? not in the Hall of Fame. No, no, Grant Hill, Elton Bill Brands, Walton's not yeah. in the Hall of Fame. No, did, did uh, Andrews do AP's uh, ACL tear when, when he came back from that and balled out? He probably did. That's yeah. definitely first ballot surgery <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> good, good. So it'd be a red jacket because like. That's yeah. <laughs> like associated with hospitals or something. Okay, um, we didn't talk about quarterback at all, uh, so just we'll end on that. Well, um, pretty much, I don't know. You obviously know better than me, but I feel like based on my draft experience, just like whoever falls, go. And if you feel like you're going to be on the front end of a rush, maybe get them. Uh, obviously, this all depends on how deep your league is. But I've been in leagues where I'll draft with like you guys who obviously live this, and I don't. And I'll be one. It's of like the first a game guys. of chicken when you're in a yeah, <laughs> like I'll yeah. I'll grab a guy early, but if guys, if I'm late, then I'm late. So. One of these days, I'm gonna be in an experts draft where a again, I always put experts in quotes. Uh, <laughs> gonna be in an experts draft where this like a quarterback is not drafted, <laughs> and then after the draft, like in in order, everyone's gonna have to use their waiver wire preference on a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, because Aaron Rodgers went round seven in that mock I did with you, I think. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that was. That was a bit much. Yeah, that was almost <laughs> like I'm not being like, yeah, like you said, game and chicken. I'm not being the first one to yeah. get a quarterback. So yeah, um, that was a that was a bit much. Yeah, like I got uh, so in my draft I did on Saturday. I got Cam at QB eleven, which is insane. Um, That's so, insane. Yeah, I mean, st- weird stuff like that can happen when the QB one tier is so deep. Like if just ever, you just happen to be in a group of people where no one's high on Cam, so not I mean, should not ever be the QB eleven. But it like, does not surprise me to hear like 
Just when it's so deep, you will see quirks like that sometimes. So is there anybody that you figure, like, I know ESPN has Drew Brees listed to QB11. Like, I feel like that's, like, Drew Brees is definitely people, a guy people should grab. Anybody else that you think, like, you should? My general uh, approach has been to, you know, wait a long time and try to get, try to get some Jimmy Garoppolo or some Patrick Mahomes. Um, If I don't feel like waiting, like, if I feel like the board kind of unfolding in a weird way, uh, I kind of like, like Matthew Stafford is my QB1 kind of reach is not the right word but just like uh just if i'm feeling like in the moment like i should you know get actually get in on this uh stafford's just been getting better every year he's remained you know so prolific but has gotten like way more efficient as he's gotten older he hasn't lost basically like any of his volume but he's gotten just much more efficient and just you know, he's got a really impressive uh stable of weapons uh, i feel like the coaching staff will be better this year and uh so Stafford's kind of like the guy where if like I'm feeling f- forced to take a QB one, I'm taking Stafford. But generally, I'm kind of waiting on the QB one two fringe and taking Jimmy Garoppolo or Pat Mahomes just because I just been feeling like going swaggy this year. Oh, for sure, that's what it's all about. I saw Vegas has Pat Mahomes at 3,800 yards for the over under. I feel like that's man, that's that's awesome. tempting. Uh, yeah. I, I darn, it feels like a push almost. Uh, yeah, I feel oh, like take, what? Why you, you're like basically like. You took all your swag off, man. Put your ostrich coat back on. I know. Well, I feel like he'll play like 14 games or something. The Chiefs have like a – if the Chiefs are good, they never play their starters in week 17. So that right there will be only 15 starts for Pat Mahomes and kind of a swashbuckling type. So like maybe he'll miss a game with like an AC – left like AC joint nice. sprain or something. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put, what week? Yeah. What week? Uh, 11. <laughs> week 11. Oh, right before the fantasy playoffs? Yeah. So that would be bad. <laughs> Really bad. Like, are you targeting Chiefs, man? I feel like Chiefs are just like, and their defense is so bad. Like, they feel like that's sorry. Like, this is kind of the last question, I guess. Like, do you feel like their bad defense is definitely a target? Right? Obviously, it's kind of built, baked into your ranks, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're bad. It could be interesting though, if like the offense is prolific uh, as it's supposed to be. The defense might be like a lot better in fantasy than it is in real life because what you want in fantasy, you want like a defense that's like playing from ahead. Because the other team has to be like hyper aggressive. You kind of like, you get into more situations where you can get sacks and force turnovers. So like a lot of times, some of like not, not like the objectively terrible real life defenses, but like a defense that's like not good in real life can be better in fantasy if they're on a high scoring team. Because if they get the lead, the game just kind of goes nuts. So the Patriots are like a defense that's kind of always better in fantasy in real life. They're always decent in real life, but in fantasy, uh, I just love them because they're always playing from ahead and they kind of like. The teams just turn over the ball, get sacked a lot against them. So they're like a defense whose fantasy, I feel like, usefulness is usually better than like their real life effectiveness. And they, they, I'm not saying that could really happen with the Chiefs, but it wouldn't be. It's a scenario that like could happen. Nice. All right, good way to end uh, some pro Chiefs stuff. Uh, obviously, before we get out of here, definitely check out Pat's top 50, which I am, as I said before, I'm heated. This is free. Um, people are going to be able to look at this who don't get the Roto World Draft Guide, but definitely get the Roto World Draft Guide. Anything else? Uh, obviously, you have your ranks going. You, I think you have what specifically come out at 1 p.m. sharp on Thursday, is it? That- yeah, it really, it usually, actually, I was joking about that, but it usually is pretty much always 1 p.m. Eastern sharp. Uh, so if you want to get hyper specific, usually, but like, kind of like 12.52 p.m. Eastern, usually. So. Nice. I'm. For, I think I'm pretty close to two p.m. sharp for the podcast. Cause there I you come, go. Yeah. I come I'm not surprised. At, yeah. I'm not surprised that you're a sharp kind of person. Well, it's um, partially because I I'm on news right after that, 
So yeah, that's why that's that's my rankings deadline too. Yeah, that's <laughs> why like it's it's now or never then. Yeah, it's pro- procrastinating, but get the job done. All right, so that'll do it. Uh, obviously, this is a blast. I can't wait to draft this weekend with Pat's wisdom uh, in the forefront. Um, so thanks, man. My pleasure. And uh, you're gonna have to teach me how to play fantasy basketball this year. Uh, love the NBA. I'm an NBA playoff grinder, but uh, I'm not a fantasy NBA grinder yet. And uh, I feel like the only person who can make me one is you. Nice. Well, yeah, DFS is coming up. Um, there's so many little it's like that's the hard thing about basketball. NBA so DFS, much. man. That's like that's like a full time job. I, I like the late scratches and stuff. I got too many kids now. Uh, so, but yeah, mad yeah. props to people that can do that. It's crazy. Like even season long, like when a guy goes down, you can pick him up real quick, and it's not like because yeah. it's a free for all. So like yeah. if Zeke went down, you'd have to wait until waivers to pick him up off his, off his back up off the waiver wire. Like basketball, just like yoink, just pick him right up. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's also part of it, but should be cool, man. Um, well, uh, I'll definitely get you hooked up with some some fantasy goodness. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. All right. So you guys take care. Thanks again for coming on, man. My pleasure.